0: Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow.
1: Hello and welcome to Real Real Estate Today. I am your host, Deb Tomorrow. Make sure you're following us on Facebook for all the latest and greatest links of things that we talk about during the show and other important stuff. There was a great one that I had on my personal Facebook page yesterday that I need to share on um, the business page from that listing in Texas oh, um, oh that happened. Karen you saw that and it scared I, you I, I I was upset that there wasn't any uh, there weren't any people near the pool yeah there was Rachel did you see that one it was uh there were like mannequin people hanging upside down from the ceiling just really really bizarre things so anyways um Follow me on Facebook for all kinds of good stuff like that. Uh, the voice you heard on the other side is Karen Rastel, who is the best damn lender in the state of Indiana. Hi, Karen. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well are today. Are you really? Yes. I may have won. The, a major prize. A major prize. But I'll find out in the coming days. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, through my employer. Very nice. Yes. Maybe I'll post that action shot we took. That was a good, we'll, yes. We'll we were trying that. to take an action picture of her throwing her potential winnings in the air which turned out to be gobstoppers and i will tell you when you toss gobstoppers three feet up in the air and then have them propel back down towards your head that could be a little painful yes so there may be some underneath hopeful your yeah yes i know <laughs> I, I kicked something i stepped on something my foot went rolling i was like why are there gobstoppers all over the floor uh, we're also joined as usual by rachel uh, the best damn associate producer of state of indiana with the i'm going to get it right this time the face of an angel the mouth of a sailor so we don't let her on air uh, but uh, she is here with us posting as we go along. So uh, we're going to get to date today's show. It's about a sailor and a fire. A sailor and a, a fire. fire. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel's going to laugh about that one. And we'll explain that later. But I read your I read your post. Oh, OK. Yeah. Uh, so but I have to tell Rachel because she doesn't know how my morning started, which was a panicked text from Karen at 730 this morning. <laughs> Chip and Joanna are going to be on the Today Show after eight o'clock. No, I said, I'm assuming after 8 o'clock, I missed the whole intro into the Today Show. Well, then somehow she sent me a picture, and it looked like it was going to be about 8.20. Yeah. So, of course, I said a little, like, it was 8.08 when you told me that. So, I set a little alarm to go off on my phone. So, I knew at, like, 8.18 to get up and go find a TV and to watch Jip and Joanna. Meanwhile, the dogs just start to be, like get up I need to go outside I need to do this I need to do that I'm running around one of them will come downstairs it's a whole big thing Albert's acting weird (laughs) I don't know how to turn the tv on which is an issue I have and it takes like 20 minutes so I've got I literally stood in the in the living room with a dog under my arm and and a cup in my hand trying to watch but the you had a fenced-in yard. You should have just said, go out there. I'll be back in two minutes. Oh, there's a reason you can't, but two I don't want two. to say it on air. Oh, okay. Yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, Chip and Joanna had a big announcement to make. We were very pumped up. And how do we feel now? Eh. Slightly deflated. Wah, wah, wah. So if you haven't watched it, watch it. I don't know. Chip wrote some book or something. Basically, what Karen and I got out of this interview is that Chip needs a haircut. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what I think. I was like, ah. I don't know. I haven't seen any uh, recent fixer uppers where his hair is that long. Yeah. And what's the book called? I don't even know. So Tell you know. what, Chip and Joanna, you call me and I'll plug your book on my show. How's that? There you go. Um, and I won't even charge you. They need all the advertisement that they can. I, I swear every day on Facebook, I see another Facebook friend who's posting a selfie of themselves in front of the Magnolia stores when we go. We're going. Okay, so um, I wanted to talk. Do we have any other gossip? No, we should just go in the fall. Wouldn't it be nice? Is it nice down there in the fall, like it is up here? Like probably nicer. Okay. Well, I don't know about yeah, nicer because it's hot down there. Mm. For sure. So we'll go in January. Okay. Okay. Book it. Um, So let's talk real estate, since that's why we are here. Um, And so here's my story about the sailor and the fire. Do you ever use talk to text when you're on your phone? Um, sometimes I do. Okay, because I know yeah. you're of the Android persuasion, whereas I am of the iPhone persuasion. So I don't know if it kind of works the same. It does work the same. Okay, well, I and often and use talk to text because I'm impatient and because my brain goes at a really fast pace, like a chipmunk in a wheel chasing a carrot, something. Okay. I don't know. And so I can't type as fast as I can speak. So and you're driving, so there's that. Well, no, I'm not going to text and drive. Uh-huh. Um, but but you can it's talk just quicker to text and drive. I don't know. It's probably still legal. You think? I don't know. It's like hands free in my could car. Be. It could be. <laughs> anyways. So anyways, I talk to text, but I try to be really good about proofreading because I do like things to be proper, and I would never text using abbreviations and things like that. Like I will never use the letter U. It's always Y O U. I'm just I'm not that cool. You know, okay. But anyways, I did not. I was sending Rachel. Every week I send her a synopsis for the show. Like, here's what the show is going to be about so she can kind of do some write-ups and things. And she emailed me back. She goes, usually I can figure it out when you use talk to text, but I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> and I read it and I started cracking up. And I, I emailed her back. I said, can't talk now. Laughing. <laughs> because it was about a sailor and a fire you have any idea what that was? Um, a seller and a buyer. I yeah, think, exactly. I, yeah, I think I re- a remember. A seller and a buyer, and it came out, a sailor and a fire. I'm like, I kind of like that. Yeah. So that's what we're talking about today. When you are a sailor and a fire, or if when you are a seller and a buyer. So we're, we talk all the time about how we are in a seller's market. I want to talk a little bit about what that means and how do we know? How do you know we're in a seller's market? You know, do you just believe me? Yes, yeah, we I do. Mean, you know, yeah, some of you do. Um, do. But some of you want more information. So we're going to talk about what that means to be in a seller's market. And then we're going to talk about this whole transition thing. So that's what I've been doing a lot of with people is if you already own a home, how do you sell that home and then buy a home? It's great when you're in the seller's market to sell that home. Not so great when you're in a buyer's, and when you're a buyer in the seller's market. And making that transition. And I know you've been talking to some of the same people I've been talking to because I send them to you mm-hmm. because we're going to talk about how important it is that you know, one of your first steps needs to be talking to a lender and what your different options are there. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to start with this idea of seller's market. Why are we in a seller's market and what does that mean? So this is, I sent it to Rachel and asked her to post it up on Facebook. And I said, this is an oldie but a goodie because we went over the, uh, this last year. And uh, this article is actually from last year. But it really, to me, it explains one of the big reasons why we are uh, in a seller's market. And basically, a seller's market just means we're short on homes. And so the sellers are in the driver's seat that they can kind of command top prices and and kind of set the terms because you've got lots of buyers competing for the same home. Um, So this involves some math. Um, So, I mean, if anybody needs to take a drink before we do that. I don't know who's good at math. Who's good at math? Rachel. <laughs> Rachel. Rachel's good at math. Okay. So, here, here's, this is from Lawrence Yoon, who is the um, chief economist of National Association of Realtors. And I thought, he just wrote this little blurb, and it just makes a lot of sense. So, from 2009 until today, remember, this was written in 2016. New construction on single-family homes, condos, and apartment units totaled $5.6 million. Okay. So, in the past, say, six, seven, eight Mine to I don't want to fingers years. How many years is that? Seven years. Um, apartment the new housing, five point six million. That sounds like a lot, right? It does. It does. But that includes that Say that again. That included... um, Single-family homes, homes. condos, and apartments. Okay. So, 5.6 million, this is in the country, new units, okay? Over the same time period, however, we got to take 1.7 million housing units out of that mix because 1.7 million housing units were deemed uninhabitable or obsolete, and they were demolished or removed from the housing stock. Which leaves us with how many? 3.9 million. Okay, three point nine million. I did that without a calculator. Um, the, so yeah, so we had a net addition of three point nine million housing units since two thousand nine. I think it still sounds like a lot, right? Well, I think half a million were here in in Bloomington, Indiana. Probably, yeah. Um, so now the question is: so three point nine million new housing units. Now, how many new people? How much has our population grown in that same time period? I don't know. Let's ask the experts. What does it say? <laughs> Seventeen point three million, just in the United States. Just in the good old U.S. of A. Seventeen point three million. So clearly, given that the average household size is two and a half people, uh, and we've only had, we would need a total of three of six point nine million. Right, if you take 17.3 and divide that by two and a half people per household. I'm going to believe you on that, Matt. Yeah. Okay. That's 6.9 million new housing units are needed to accommodate the country's rising population. But we only had 3.9. So how much are we short, Karen? You can do it. No, I wasn't listening to that. I was just getting ready to say, so we're truly in a seller's market. Yeah, Sorry. so we needed, based on typical housing size, uh, so we need
0: 6.9 million. we need
1: yeah, yeah, we're short 3 million. We're short three. 3 million. That's a lot. Yes. Right. Um, so that is one of the big reasons it's just the housing boom the house housing building hasn't kept up with um, with the population growth. So people need to stop having babies. Just kidding. Some people do. (laughs) So that's part one. And then part two is this really interesting article. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's from the New York Times. It just came out, but it's talking, and we talk all the time. We hear all the time about California, Mm -hmm. uh, my home state and where I was born, uh, and that there's a severe housing crisis going on out there. And this article, I'm going to just read a little bit of it because there's some really good numbers and and information Um, a full-fledged housing crisis has gripped california where the lack of affordable homes and apartments for middle-class families is severe the median cost of a home here in california is now a staggering five hundred thousand dollars which is twice the national cost and homelessness is surging across the state i mean this is not just an economic issue Mm -hmm. obviously it's a social issue as well Um, in los angeles booming with construction and signs of prosperity Some people have given up on finding a place to live and have moved into vans with makeshift kitchens hidden away in quiet neighborhoods. Can you imagine that? No. Uh, In Silicon Valley, an international symbol of wealth and technology... Lines of parked RVs are a daily testimony to the challenges of finding an affordable place to call home. People are living in RVs. Now, I remember this story. My brother lives in Southern California, but they're in inland empire near like San Bernardino area. Uh, The commute to L.A. is pretty intense because it's not that far. I mean, probably an hour on a good day, but most days aren't good. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there was a family that uh, they knew, my brother's family knew. And they ended up buying uh, this luxury van that had like seats and a fridge and, you know, kind of like a mini RV, Mm -hmm. and they put their kids in school near where they worked, and they would all drive in together, and, like, in the evenings, that would be their homework time, and they would have snacks, and, like, their family bonding time was, they built it so that it was during the commute because they would get home so late. Oh, my gosh. And so, morning breakfast and everything was take, took place in in the van on the... Isn't that insane? That is insane. Crazy. Um, Here's a story of Heather Lyle, a nurse who makes $180,000 a year, pretty good income, commutes two hours from her home in Monteca to the San Francisco hospital where she works 80 miles away. I make really good money and it's frustrating to me that I can't afford to live close to my job, said Ms. Lyle. Um, And it goes on and on and on. But what's interesting is that now Sacramento, which is the capital of California, which a lot of people don't know because you would think like L.A. or something, but it's not at Sacramento. Uh, Lawmakers are considering extraordinary legislation to, in effect, crack down on communities that have systematically delayed or derailed housing construction proposals. So what's happening is that um, one of the reasons there's such a shortage of housing is that people are like, saying no. Like they've zoning? Or? Yeah, they've okay. like said no okay. to yep. construction. Okay. And they've, you know, said, well, it's damaging the environment or this or that. And it's like you kind of, you got to find a way to, um, uh, you know, make it all work together. Housing prices in Los Angeles, San Francisco, San Jose, and San Diego have jumped as much as 75% over the past five years. Uh, and they're introducing a bill uh, that's one of 130 housing measures, um, the, to uh, restrict uh, one of the biggest development tools that communities wield, which is the ability to use zoning, uh, environmental, procedural laws to thwart projects that they deem are out of uh, character for the neighborhood. So. So, that's another reason that a lot of these communities there have got great economic growth, but not uh, housing to match. And that's created a crisis in a lot of areas, too. So, we're going to talk to the Scosh more about how you know what kind of market you're in when we come back from break. So, stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate.
2: internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com america.com Are you interested
0: in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions, and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. .com Are you finding your frequency? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel You count Tune into Revolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out Follow the movement Meet guests who are shaking things up Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice Large or small, your part counts So join us Co-hosted by Helen Hillocks, Todd Benton, and Chris Reese. Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel.
2: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
0: listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com.
1: Now, back to this week's program. All right. Welcome back. We are talking today about if you are a seller in a seller's market, but you also want to be a buyer. Now, if you're just a seller and you want to just sell and I don't know what you're going to do, go move wherever and don't really have any plans and don't have any timetables and don't mind being homeless, then, you know, go for it. Enjoy. I had some clients this year. They're like, "It's a seller's market. You know what? Yes, We she should did. probably just sell the house." She did. They're not going to go anywhere for a couple of years. Uh, they still had a kid in college or in high school, but uh, they said, "We well, think we should take advantage of the market this year because yeah. in two years, when we really might want to go." See, I love people like that. I, I'm not that kind of people. I know, way yeah. progressive. Yeah, we can't. So. Do that. What was interesting to me was that we did a show on this similar topic last July, almost a year ago. I think it was like July 7th-ish or something like that. But we were in a different market then. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my advice and and my information is going to be a little bit different. So how do you know what kind of your market you're in? Because I'm talking from a Bloomington, Indiana perspective. Uh, I think we're pretty middle America, so we're probably pretty much on the average Um, So I wanted to give everybody some questions that they can ask their local real estate professionals um, so that, they can help you know understand what kind of market they're in because i think that's the first question that everybody should ask and you shouldn't necessarily take you know facebook's word for what kind of market you're in or cnn.com's word for what kind of real estate market you're in you really need to you know talk to professionals so uh there's two numbers that we use um a lot to kind of compare and one is the the month supply of inventory so what they do is they look at for a certain area. whether it's county or you can even boil it down to a neighborhood if you wanted to and say how many homes are on the market and on average how many homes have sold per month in that market over the past year and then you divide those numbers and anything under the number six which is six months supply is typically a seller's market okay. over six months supply. Uh, means that you've got enough houses on the market to last you for at least six months, and you can do this per neighborhood. You can boil it down any way you want. Yeah, okay. I do it by elementary school sometimes, but the number is still the same. The Are I mean you- the the. the Test the standard. The ten, okay, that's why we're So, bought, the okay. six month, six month is a balanced market. Gotcha. Anything below six, yeah, is going to be okay. a seller's market. And that really, that's a national thing. I mean, that, okay. that rule seems to work pretty well. So, for example, last year I said we were talking differently about transitioning if you were a seller um, because we were at about a 5.9 month supply, almost six. We were pretty steady last year. Last year was fun in real estate. Buyers were happy, sellers were happy. It was competitive, but we were getting stuck. Done this year, and this is for the month of May. Um, and these are Indiana Association of Realtors statistics in Monroe County, which is the county I'm in. We we're down to 4.8 percent supply, or 4.8 month supply of homes. So we were down about 18, 19 percent over the previous year, um, and so we're definitely skewing more towards a seller's market that we don't have a ton of homes to choose from. Uh, as a comparison. I looked um, at uh, Marion County, which is Indianapolis, big city, about 60 miles up the road or so. They are down to a 2.8-month supply of homes. Yikes. Wow. Right? (laughs) scares the heck out of me because the clients I talked to last night, their intention is to buy up in Indianapolis. Whoa, good luck to you because it's going to be really, really hard to get in there. Um, So that's a question that you need to ask your local real estate professional is what's the month supply of inventory? If they can't answer that, then you might want to call someone who can't answer that um, because that's an important number. Um, And more than anything, it's how does that compare to previous years? I think those trends are really helpful. And then the other number that I was looking at uh, through the Indiana Association of Realtor uh, database was the inventory of homes that were for sale. So in the month of May, and I know I'm going back to May, but we don't have final June numbers yet. Um, So in May of 2016, in Monroe County, there were 870 homes available for sale. And in May of 2017, 734 so again, down about 15, 16 percent of homes available to buy, and these are just the homes that actually get listed and yeah. put on a multiple listing Usually, service. Usually, yeah, right. right. Yeah. Okay. Now, what's interesting too to think about is that there's 15, 16 percent fewer homes, but there might also be two or three or five percent more buyers. So that gap might even be larger. Um, so those are some uh, numbers that you need to ask about if you are thinking about going into this sort of transition. Form um, uh, buyers or selling to buying, so that you can make good, smart decisions uh, moving forward. So, my, you know, as I said, beginning my theme over the past few weeks has been that transitioning is helping people sell and then buy and trying to make t- the timing fit as perfectly as possible. I wanted to share a couple of stories with um, what has been going on. You know, just some examples to kind of just sort of show you what can happen. So here's one example of a couple. I'm going to call them Alice and Stan. That's not their real names. Protect their identity. But they had sold a house uh, in a nearby city and were moving here. Uh, And so they had a pretty tight timeline because they had a closing date and they had a possession date that they had to give up you know, their other, their current house. So they were going to be homeless. They didn't find something pretty quickly. We had about a week or so. So we looked at a bunch of houses. We found a great house uh, and we negotiated an offer on it. The timing was going to be perfect. I mean, close, but perfect. They were going to have about three days to move everything and get settled. And then they would have about a week or so before school started. So, all right, we can do that. Great. Okay. So then we move on, have the inspections. There was an issue with a vicious dog at the inspection where the seller said, "Um, my dog will bite you. Put the dog up. Seriously, I had to call the the listing agent. I'm like, you need to go take care of this. But anyways, um, so the inspections did not go well. Oh, no. Mm, Really not well. And so they uh, could not buy that house because it was just, nothing was going to get, you know, it was, it was a big, that's a whole other show. Um, They found another house very, very quickly within a couple of days. Okay. However, those sellers couldn't get out as quickly. They made an offer and they, um, they asked the sellers to be really aggressive on closing really quickly so that they could kind of still meet their timeline and they would have about a day to move. Instead of three A's, but they'd still be in and settle before school started, right? Okay. Okay, great. So those new sellers accepted that? So those sellers were trying to figure out how to make it work because they had a new job and they're moving to another city in another state. And while they were trying to figure out how to make it work and had not accepted our offer yet, guess what happened? Someone else came in with an offer. Yep, another offer came in, another competing offer that was much more flexible in mm -hmm. terms of timing that worked better for the sellers. And I begged the listing agent. I said, give us a chance. <laughs> Let us rewrite our offer before you accept. Please, yeah. um, and she said, okay. And so we had a lot of conversations. Um, and we did a couple of things. Uh, one was we became super flexible with the timeline. That's not comfortable, but they did it because this was the right house, and it was better to be homeless for two weeks than to not have a place at all, right? Yeah, pros and cons. So they did a great job with that. And then the other thing they did was the original offer we wrote was contingent on their current house closing. They had a buyer. They were almost done with inspections, but not quite. They were in the middle Mm -hmm. of negotiating that. But it was contingent on that closing. So you took it out? We took the contingency okay. out. We had a lot of discussion about that. we kind of said pros and cons. I said, I don't think you can p- compete at all. You know, a couple thousand dollars isn't going to make a difference on a house that, you mm-hmm. know, on a, a deal that has a contingency or doesn't. So they were financially able to do it without removing that contingency. And they felt like the risk was minimal. So they did those two things and we got the house. Um has this transaction closed yet? No. Okay, because I'm, I'm sitting here pins and needles. I'm right. waiting for, like, a happy <laughs> a Well, happy I mean, I think, I think we'll get okay. there. You know, we still have to do inspections. This is all very, very new. But, yeah. you know, I, I think the thing that I'm proud of them and I think really helped them, they're, they're great people. I've really enjoyed working with them. But they've got, you know, a pretty realistic uh, view that it's not going to kill them. Right. Which is kind of our overriding theme today. Right. It's not going to kill you. Well, and so, it's, it's good, too, that that Alice and Stan can also right. qualify with two mortgages. Yeah. Because I think on the lender perspective. Yeah, and we'll talk know. about that a little bit. But, you know, they're going to have to stay in a hotel for a couple of weeks while they get their kids started in school. But, you know, I was thinking back, and I have a story. Uh, in 1975. Stop. I'm dating myself Stop here. Stop it. Oh, my gosh. 1975. We moved from Houston, Texas to Indianapolis, Indiana. I was three. No, I wasn't even three yet. I was like two and a half. Um, But we are, um, here's what I remember. Did you ride in the back of the pickup truck? No seatbelts. Oh, yeah. Coming up. Okay, I'm just making sure. Okay. Bicycle helmets, whatever. (laughs) Um, uh, Our house wasn't ready yet. I have clear, clear memories of the hotel that we stayed in. Okay. It was called the Martin House. It was right next to St. Vincent Hospital up on the north side of Indianapolis. Okay. I remember playing in the exercise room because there's all this cool stuff. And I seem to remember riding a big wheel up and down a hotel hallway. But my point is this. I think you're getting confused with The Shining, but that's yeah, okay. No, no, no. I'm going to I'm gonna follow this story and pretend that it's real. Keep going. You know, it is, it's totally true. You can ask my mother. Uh, <laughs> I will ask you. I know that. you will ask my mother. But my point is this, like, y- you know, you can kind of take it as an opportunity to create a really cool memory. Absolutely. You know, I yeah. had some clients last year. They did the same thing that they lived in an RV for a while. I love staying in a hotel. You get, right. like, free soaps, new shampoo every day. Come they make on. your bed for you? Yeah, they do. Yeah? Yeah, they do. So anyways, don't stress out about it. Just make sure you have a, a hotel with a pool. And the, and, and the hallways wide enough to ride a big wheel. Big wheel. I wouldn't recommend that. I'm afraid that was, in retrospect, that may have been pretty annoying. We're going to do when we go to Waco in January. We'll ride big wheels up and down the hall? Yeah. Okay, that won't get us arrested at all. Yeah. Um, so that was one story, you know, about just sort of understanding that you have to take a little pain, but that it's not going to kill you. Um, so let's go ahead and go to break, and I'm way behind as usual. No shock there. We'll get as much done as we can. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate.
2: Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Dev can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, will Travel, whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com.
2: you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to the Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station.
0: VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com that's Deb at Real Real com. Now, back to this week's program.
1: All right, we are back and talking stories about um, sellers in a seller's market and a buyer's market or a sailor in a fire. Um, that's like a folk song. It's like a like a folk song from Halifax, kind of thing. You know, a sailor and a fire. <laughs> we need to give that information to someone. They're gonna come up with a nice little tune for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So our 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 uh, challenge this week is to come up with let's say a limerick, a limerick about a sailor and a fire. In iambic like pentameter? No, like we're that? not doing iambic no. pentameter. Okay. Nor are we doing haiku because that was confusing too. All right. Okay, so I'm telling stories right now and, and I'm hoping that's helpful to people because I think it's helpful to sort of see what people go through um, and sort of learn from that. Mm-hmm. And then we can talk a little bit, and it may actually be next week that we talk a little bit about. Uh, why not make it a two-parter? It's a big deal. You can because they won't be here next week. You totally should Oh make no. Yes. Oh, no. I didn't know that. Okay. Uh, focus. So here is another story about a couple we're going to call Sean and Sarah. Okay. And they have a very um, usual situation or typical situation where they've combined families and they need more space. He had bought a home. She had bought a home. And then about two weeks after they both bought their homes, I think, Uh, They met Mm. and fell in love and then ended up, um, you know, combining their families. And so they looked around and they kept thinking they were going to make an offer that was contingent on the sale of the condo that they were living in. He had a house. He went ahead and rented that house out. Okay. And he was under a year lease, so there wasn't much he could do to get rid of that house. Um, But they thought, well, in order for us to buy what we need to buy... To give us enough space, we need to sell this condo. Because, Karen, maybe you can talk a little bit to us about that as a financing issue. When you have two two yeah. properties, it depends on what type of loan you're doing. They're, these these other two couples are probably doing a conventional loan. Sometimes it would require additional cash reserves mm-hmm. to have set aside so that they qualify to cover both uh, full payments on on each property. Um, but again, it's, it's uh, case by case, mm-hmm. but you don't know that until you talk to your lender. There you go. Um, so they have been working with a lender and they found that they could qualify for maybe you know, $190,000 without selling the condo. But for them to really get the space that they needed and not outgrow it again in two years, they needed to probably be more in the two hundred fifty dollars range. They couldn't find anything they liked uh, because everything was selling so quickly. And so they looked into building and they found a home and found a neighborhood that they really liked and thought, oh, this is, you know, this is great. We get a lot for our money. Um, And the timeline was that the builder was about nine months out. Okay. Well, they could deal with things for you know nine months or so, but here's where it starts to get this like really weird vicious cycle. So hopefully everyone can understand it. Um, the builder's not going to start building until they have a pre-qualification letter in hand that is pretty much clear sailing, right? So they couldn't they could get a pre-qualification letter, but only for about 190,000. But the house they wanted to build was was about 250, 250. Okay. for them to get the upgrades and be happy and be settled. So they couldn't get a clear prequalification letter for the 250 unless they sold the condo. They didn't okay. want to sell the condo unless the builder started building the house, and they knew they had a place to go. Do you see the vicious circle there? I do. What do you do? Well, I refer back to the hangover and I think of the whole, the exchange. But yeah. yes, um, if. If you've already talked to your lender and you know for sure and that lender's done their due diligence yep. to say, I think you're going to be fine, yeah. then that would be a leap of faith for me. And I would say, okay, let's sell this condo. Let's get let's get this house of our drains. Right. It's going to meet our family right. needs. Let's get it started and get but, it built. You know, the condo is going to sell in a second because it's a seller's market. Well, I guess you hook up a van like your brother's friend did. You and go. Yeah, like you, you figure something out. Yeah. So we went round and round and round about all their different options. We looked at a lot of different homes, looking at existing to see if we could make something work. They talked to family members to see if there was a way to, you know, crash with a family member. Mm-hmm. And finally, they said, you know what? The only way this is going to work and for us to achieve our end goal, again, why I'm impressed with them, Mm-hmm. Uh, to have kept that eye on the prize, you know, looking at the end goal was we have got to sell this condo and just rent a place for a year. In Bloomington, you can only get year long leases and we'll make it work and we'll move twice and we'll feel some pain. Right. You know, it won't be comfortable. Um, they're actually moving into a much larger place than they're living in now. So they're kind of excited about that. That made me think of uh, of our friend who had a piano to move. I mean, they don't have a piano to move, right? Right. So, no. I don't think so. Yeah. So, so it's not that uncomfortable. Right. Right. Okay. But you have to, you know. You have to make some sacrifices. I guess that was my point. So they have put the condo on the market, got multiple offers right away. We're, you know, halfway through that process of selling. Uh, timing's worked out well for them. They're going to move into the rental in early September, and the builder's going to start building. And, you know, they may have a couple months of overlap uh, with their rent payment and their new mortgage in the spring, but they're willing to kind of wait that out and build that in to their strategy. Awesome. So, I, I again, you know, really, really proud of them on that. Um, There's another story, and and what what I just said was it's all about strategy. It really, you have to come up with a strategy, and I don't mean to overcomplicate it because it's really not that difficult if you go to the right people. So here's an example. I met uh, this lady. We're going to call her Patricia. Patricia. And she found a home for sale. It was around the corner from where she lived now. And she loved her neighborhood, but she wanted something that was a little smaller, was more manageable. Um, and so she called me and she said, you know, can you, can I help, can you help me? You know, I'd like to see this house. And great. So I show her the home and she loves it. She's absolutely loved the house. And we talked about some of the options and she said she wanted to sleep on it. And said, that's fine. I called the, the listing agent. Do we have time to sleep on it? Yep. Sleep on it. And the next morning she's like, all right, I'm ready to write an offer. And so I start asking her some of the questions that I typically ask. And she quickly realized that she really was nowhere near ready to make an offer on that house. That um, she really needed to sell her current house. She wasn't comfortable holding on to it, even if she could, um, you know, qualify for one without the other. In fact, she actually has a roommate. Uh, that she needed to kind of contend with and you know and when is that person able to move and or I was gonna say is roommate coming with or I no I think that was kind of the point okay. was to kind of downsize but, okay. but you know and then there were thoughts of you know do I maybe I could rent it out um, and, and if she did decide that she needed to sell her current home because at one point I said well, where's your down payment coming from what do you have in terms of down payment she goes well that I would need to whatever I sell my house for Okay, we haven't even talked about selling your house yet, so you know, put the brakes on. Um, it, so she, but she had a lot of things she needed to do, or wanted to do, to get her house ready to sell. So it wasn't ready to go on the market right away. So she, I think, I, I got the sense that she just got really overwhelmed because it was like, okay, I'm like on step ten, and I've skipped step one through nine. You ever have that dream where you like? miss college class for the entire semester and then you show up, show up for, for the, the final. final? Yes. It's kind of like that. Like when yeah. you find the house of your dreams, it's like the final test, right? Well, I but think, you missed all the class and you feel just completely confused. Well, I, I think it's a huge educational piece that happens when a realtor says, you know what, that's great. You know, maybe talk to a lender or whatever. And if that's what happened with this particular person and then they start to see... All the other things that need to take place before they they realize that that this this might not be, you know, doable at this moment in time. And I think the thing that makes me sad is that that happens so often. uh, And it's because people and then people get really disappointed. Yeah. Because you've got your mind set on this one house and then you can't make that house happen. And then every other house gets measured up against that first. It's like your first love. I know. Everybody gets measured up against that first love. I know. I always tell people when they get a pre-approval with me and it is, I know that they're going to sell their existing home and there's no other assets, Mm -hmm. I tell them, this is all, you know, this is all based off of you selling your home and netting X amount of dollars Mm -hmm. in order to, to, you know, for down payment and closing costs, Um, or if it's something, I, for something like that, I want to make I want them to know for sure that I've looked at everything. You don't have any other additional assets that you can utilize. So you have to sell your house first in order to get this next house. right? So you know it feels like I said like it's overwhelming, but the thing is it's not as long as you kind of turn to someone to help you figure out what that strategy is and that you understand all your options. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I wish I could come up with somebody who would be a good resource to turn to, to do that, to help you strategize. Who? I don't know. Who think, Deb? Who? I who don't could know. it be? It could be me. It could, no, no, I wouldn't recommend Karen no. No. for that. Other things. No. For sure. For well, How about your realtor? This is what realtors are for, people. I don't understand why people are so, like, scared of us. They're not scared. Maybe they just feel like there's some... Pre- I, here's what I've been finding here lately, though. If you have a realtor that's willing to take some time out to say to you, hey, I think you need to pause for a minute, go back, re- reassess your situation, whether you get with your lender or you get with your you know, significant other, just take a minute and yeah. think about this. Right. Because others others aren't like that. Others are like, let's write this offer, let's right. get this in, and let's just get your right. name in the hat. Right, right. And then what? For disappointment? And then they think this whole, well, it it needs to be contingent on the sale of my house. And they think of that as an afterthought. Right. I'm telling you, it's not an afterthought. It is a big deal. No, you want to go in with a strong offer. In a seller's market. Yes. So when we come back from break, we're going to talk a little bit about what those options are, um, what I call the three C's, uh, and transitioning from a seller to a buyer, and how you try to not be homeless basically so stick around you're listening to real real estate today you're home for smart real estate
2: Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested
0: in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her her personal nationwide network of realtors so even if you aren't in dev service area you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are visit real
2: what makes a great leader most have a vision one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan organization and company
0: Are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at Real Real Estate That's Deb at Real Real Estate Now, back to this week's program.
1: <laughs> All right, we are back. Here's Out of Control. I am out of control. I'm excited about. Potentially winning some Your potential big prize that you won. From yes, because I'm going to go buy some cereal oh. with it. That's just weird, but okay. So let's let's focus. Um, we are talking today about if you are a seller and a buyer. Trying to kind of do it all at the same time. What are your options with right. that? So I want to go over what I call my three C's. That those are what your options are. So the first one is that making an offer that's contingent on the sale of your current home. When you Google this, don't get excited because I Googled it this morning just for fun. And there's all kinds of articles about how to do it. And they make that sound super easy. You know, you just do a contingency. You just make it contingent. It's not a big deal. Blah, blah, blah. And it's just. What you're saying is, hey, seller, I'm a good buyer, so just hang tight while I sell my house. It's the best house in the whole universe, so it'll sell really, really fast. Uh, I mean, if you're the seller, how would you feel about that? No, thanks. So what I think some (laughs) people don't realize is that when you do a contingent offer, contingent on the sale of your home, there's two important things. One, your house has to either be currently on the market or on the market the next day. And what I get is a lot of people, like, well, I need to do this, and I need to fix this, and I need to do this, and I need to repair this, and I need to do the, get all the new carpet and all that. So it should be ready to go on the market in about three weeks. It's like I don't think that's. Yeah, gonna okay, work. but your contingency is like for 30 days. But the other thing that people don't get is that, um, your seller of the home of your dream home, mm-hmm. they're still looking for a buyer. And if they get a buyer who can bring them an offer that's not contingent on the sale of another home, they're going to take it. Right. And you're going to be have all this time invested, and your heart's going to be broken. Exactly. So it's not uh, it's not the best course of action unless the home has been on the market for a really long time. If you're in a buyer's market, go for it. But if you're in a seller's market, probably not. Every one of these options involves some pain. Okay, so the pain here is that if you make a contingent offer, you're good chance you're going to lose out on your dream home several times. I've had some clients that have lost out on their dream homes several times. I'm just in here wondering why people are even looking for new houses when their current home isn't ready to be listed. Because it's fun to look at houses. It is. Getting ready for listing, not so fun. But looking at new houses, super fun. Right. All right. So that is option number one, the contingent offer. Option. option number two is what I call the confidence option, and that's the it'll all work out. It won't kill me. I may have double payments for, you know, a couple months and that's fine. So that's the, I can qualify for the new home mm-hmm. mortgage without selling the first home. So I'm going to go ahead and buy the new home. And a lot of people do this. They buy the new home. Mm-hmm. They um, get everything moved so that they can make the current, you know, their old home spotless. They don't have to worry about pets and kids and this and that uh, and get it on the market and sell it. The pain that comes with that option is uh, that uh, you might have some double mortgage mortgage payments right but i always counsel my uh, clients say look you're budgeting money for uh, new carpet you're budgeting money for a new kitchen countertop why don't you go ahead and throw in that budget a couple months of double mortgage payments uh, as part of your transition strategy that's fair people seem to be really willing to spend money to do repairs and upgrades to the house they want to send spe- uh, sell But they're not willing to put aside money to to make two payments if they have to. Right. Exactly. Um, The third option is what I call the couch option, which is, isn't that smart how I like they all start Mm -hmm. with C? I worked on that for a really long time. Um, So couch option means you find a couch to go sleep on. (laughs) Uh, So you sell your house first and then you rent a place. You stay with an in-law, I get that a lot. You stay in an RV, you camp, uh, whatever. The pain that's involved in that option is moving twice. And for some people living with your in-laws, there's some pain there as well. Nothing as motivated as um, a, a buyer who's living with his in-laws. <laughs> That's good enough. Uh, as uh, I had some buyers that were looking at houses and they were kind of under a time crunch and the, their test was, we don't hate it. <laughs> oh, we needed to get both of them to the. They both would go. Do you? so every house we go in are like, how you feel? I don't hate it. <laughs> all right, that's good. That's a, that's about all we're asking. Keep that one yeah. on the list. That's all yeah. we're asking for right now. So that is certainly an option as well, and I'm a fan of that option too. If you can, if you're trying to buy your dream home where you are going to be for a long time man, having your back against the wall and feeling like you have three days to make a decision, that's not good. That, that doesn't work for anybody. No. So being able to get yourself into a situation where you can take your time to find the right place, um, I think is great. There is a fourth option, and I think in a seller's market, this can sometimes be really effective. And this is actually a little bit more for uh, buyers. Uh, this is a great hint uh, for to where way- as a way to make your offer stand out from the other buyers if you're in a multiple offer situation. And this is what I call the reverse contingency. So this is where the seller, you put your house on the market as the seller. And then you ask for, once the offer is accepted, you get an offer on your house. Okay. And you negotiate in there and say, I want 21 days to find a new home. So all of our timelines, inspections and financing and everything, we're going to wait 21 days. You're going to be 21 days. If I find a home on day two, great, I'm going to remove that contingency and we're going to go on our merry way with inspections and all that stuff. Um, It might take me a full 21 days. And then after 20 days, I might be like, crap, I need to go find a rental. Or the risk is that after 21 days, you may say, I can't find a place to go. So the pain that comes along with that is that you might lose your dream buyer. But I am seeing that more and more, that uh, we say something like, sale is contingent on the seller finding suitable housing. I've seen that a couple of times. Yes. I don't always, I, I would have never thought that it had something to do with this, yep. you know, and maybe, maybe it does, yep. maybe it doesn't, but. So think about um, this. If you're a, if you're a buyer and you're in competition and that was part of what we did with uh, my example with Alice and Stan mm-hmm. um, that lost the first house and went in the second and we had a really close tight time frame. Part of their offer going back was, you tell us when you want to close. Mm-hmm. You tell us how much time you need, and we'll figure out a way to make it work. So this is kind of the same thing. If from a buyer's perspective, you can come in and be like, um, you know, we'll give you up to two months to, you know, right. find a place. As a seller, that'd be great. So you can ask for that. It's certainly something you can try and negotiate it. My point is that none of these options are very comfortable. They're certainly not very fun. I don't know. I mean, staying in a hotel could be fun for a while, like we talked about. Only with a big wheel. Only with a big wheel, for sure. Um, there is a scary aspect to each each one of these options. But I'm here to tell you, I think I, I told the story a couple um, weeks ago. I had a seller. We just closed yesterday. Yay. Um, but we had an offer right away on their home, and it fell apart. Uh, and then we were able to get, within 24 hours, we got another offer. But they were pretty panicked uh, for about 24 hours there. And I went over and saw them right after we got the second accepted offer. And I said, I haven't lost anyone yet. <laughs> and they kind of looked at me except like. Except that one time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And because then I said, well, except, well, there's twice, I guess. I've kind of had sellers die on me. So that's not true. But, but I always kind of jokingly say right. that. And then it just confuses them because I keep talking. Sometimes I should stop talking. So it's probably not going to kill you. It just is going to be a little uncomfortable. I did say at the closing table yesterday, I said, look, and you're still married, too. We got <laughs> through it. Um, so the ones who think they're going to get through the, the the buying and selling process and that it's going to be smooth and it's comfortable and everything's going to go their way and everything's going to work out perfectly, those are the ones that are going to be the most stressed out. Uh, I think yours, dad used to say, I always get it wrong, but something about... Uh, hope for the best, expect the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Something yeah. like that, you know. Yes. And we always kind of laugh and go, that's really negative. But, you know, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here. I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, real. No, but when you said re- that. Realistic- yes. When you, when you don't have such high expectations of how something's going to pan out, and you just have the, whatever, like minimum goals, and then yeah. it's it exceeds that, it's, every, it's a win-win for everyone. Right. So let's... Uh, Let's go over this one more time. So these are your options, really, if you are looking to sell and then buy a new home. You can make the offer contingent on the sale of your current home. Probably not going to work in today's market. You can go with the confidence option, which is just it's all going to work out. I can qualify for the new home. I know my other home is going to sell quickly. I'm going to put a little bit of money aside to cover double payments if I need to. And we're just going to go for it because I found my dream home and I don't want to lose it. Uh, number three would be the couch option. So you find a place to go, uh, whether that's a so you sell your house, you find a place to go, and uh, and then you take your time finding your dream home. And then, like we just talked about, the reverse contingency is an option as well. I have some more information on that, so we might cover that uh, next week because I had Deb's top. I don't know if it was ten. No, I guess it was top eight. Uh, things to to, uh, do with that but probably the note I want to leave you on is have a plan A and have a plan B and maybe even a plan C Mm -hmm. Uh, and expect some discomfort and I think if you really can embrace those things keep your eye on the prize keep the big picture in mind you'll make it you'll get through it I haven't lost anyone yet that's not true (laughs) all right thank you so much for tuning in this week be sure to check us out on facebook and all the past uh this is episode i think 65 or something so there's lots and lots of information out there on the internet uh, lots of past shows to listen to so um trust me you can uh, never get enough of me right no never exactly thank you so much for joining me have a wonderful week we will be back next week on real real estate today your home for smart real estate
0: Thank you for tuning into Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb Tomorrow, for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets.